Hello, 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 and welcome to the Altwork Podcast, where we explore the new frontiers of work and challenge everything you thought you knew about career, business, and the world of work. I am Victoria Reles, and with me is my co-host, Saki Rasul. Hi, Saki. Hello, Victoria. Today, we're talking about coaching and asking the question, do I really need a coach? Demystifying coaching and its value. Is a coach truly worth the investment, and how can you find the right one for you? are just some of the questions we'll be asking to help you decide for yourself. So let's dive in. Sakib, why don't you start us off by sharing with us how you got into coaching? What inspired you to become a coach and uh, what has led you to where you are now? <laughs> well, Victoria, how far back in the rabbit hole you want me to go? That's a great question right off the bat. I, I think I can begin from many places as throughout my life, I have been fortunate to have had great mentors. Mm. And I have mentored so many people throughout my career. But what really provoked me to, I think, consider taking on coaching as my career is when I was uh, working for Microsoft, I left mm. to do my own startups. Mm. I... I had some success, um, but when I hit major roadblocks and made mistakes that cost me heavily, I think at that time I inspired myself to, um, and I couldn't really find a mentor that can that can show me where I was stuck, where I was blocked, mm. uh, what mistakes I was making. I had a lot of advisors that would you know give advice like sprinkled salt over salad mm. but to to have a to have a coach that show you week by week day by day where are you stuck I didn't I didn't have anyone like that and I looked around and I couldn't find and I think it was at that time it inspired me to um to prepare myself to be a coach you know I ran a startup incubator where yeah. I would help people design the product market fit and the whole product design and and develop the product and take it to market. And mm -hmm. many times during that time, I found that all these activities, it uh, something, you know, people that uh, people that struggled with, mm -hmm. with uh, going to market and, and uh, making a difference or raising funds, there was something missing mm -hmm. from their way of being. And mm -hmm. I didn't have the skills to, mm -hmm. to call them to attention. So I think it's during that time Mm. Um, it inspired me to prepare myself to be a coach and mm. grew the ambition in me that I want to learn how to mentor and coach others. Mm. And um, actually come to think of it, many years ago, when I met Fernando Flores for the first time in San Francisco at an event, after a short conversation, he uh, said to me, so looks like you want to do what I do. Even at that time, I did not know this would be my career path, but mm. I think he was, uh, he was right on. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, you started off as an engineer. You, I mean, you went to college um, and you studied engineering and you, at Microsoft, you worked as an engineer mm -hmm. um, and then you transitioned into coaching. Well, first startups and then, and then coaching. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's an interesting process. So um, we talked a little bit about this, I think, in the previous episode, but I just want to like say 
like at the core, what would mm-hmm. you say coaching is? Like to demystify coaching, right? Mm-hmm. At the core, what would you say coaching is? What happens in a coaching session? Hmm. Coaching is a is a process of unfolding. And what do I mean by that? You see, we human beings are very special kind of animals. We live in a in a reality that we have made it up in conversations and stories. And it's very real. It's very somatic. Our biology uh, collaborates with this reality. Maturana called it structural coupling. We, we cope with what's going on out there and what's going on out there. It provokes um, uh, some kind of um, uh, emergence, some kind of an evolution in our body. And we end up uh, coping with our environment with good intention, with good reason, mm-hmm. with positive mindset. Sometimes in this business of living life, we get very stuck. Where do we get stuck? We Something happens. We consider something that worked or didn't work, or we get hurt, or we get some benefit, and we make up a truth. And that truth becomes kind of like an invisible bias, except it wasn't necessarily the ultimate truth. It might have been right in the moment something made sense. So this sense-making business that we engage in, sometimes what makes sense traps us and it traps us into um, conversations and ideas and blind spots and beliefs that we even forget that it's trapping us. So coaching is a process through which these blind spots, these traps that are um, keeping us in place that are blocking our potential to really express itself, which is the deepest desire of any entrepreneur, is to express themselves into the world. That expression gets... mm -hmm. Or any human being, really, to really fully express, be able to express themselves. You're right on. Thank you. I just, I'm thinking all the time about entrepreneurs or any human being that want to express themselves. Um, This expression gets blocked. So coaching is a process through which some of these uh, blind spots could be removed. And when these blind spots are removed, there is a there is a potentiality, an unbelievable depth, energy, and potentiality that's in every human being. It can just sort of like unleash mm-hmm. evolution, conscious evolution, mental evolution, evolution about what you see, what you don't see, where you're stuck, where you're not stuck. What do you think your purpose of life is? The whole game can change. That can give you unbelievable amount of energy. Mm -hmm. So coaching is a process, one we could say, is a process of opening new possibilities. Mm -hmm. It's a, when done right, it's Mm -hmm. a process of creating a, almost like, you know, if you think about, uh, um, coach in say a baseball game or basketball game or football it's more like intense short time so the coach every now and then provides an alert from the sideline coach says hey time out time out come here you mm -hmm, and don't do that and do this and go back out there why'd you miss the blah 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 right so it's little perturbed so coach Mm. when coaching is done right coaching is not like an information giving Mm. it is not 
Um, and we can talk a little bit more about that. What do we mean by sure. that? But coaching is about creating a an alert, a perturb that provides the organism, the 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 body level. It's through a conversation. It creates a process of um, of uh, transcending beyond where you might be stuck. The evolution comes from within. The intelligence, the evolution, all of that happens inside. But coaching, when done right, can create that perturb. Mm -hmm. And by creating that perturb can alter your perception of reality. So yeah. in that way, show you a new possibility that you didn't think was possible before. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, what we do, how do we make decisions? We look at options in front of us and we calculate the pros and cons of yeah. every option. And we choose, um, you're smiling as you remember a little bit of that maybe in choosing a college or choosing a job or what choosing to do. Almost anything. Almost anything that we just end up getting from the, the best of all the worst options. And we call that decision-making. We call that moving forward in life. But what it really is when we make a decision like that, when we choose from all the obvious options, we are not really living a new future. Rather, we are repeating our past. Mm -hmm. So a good coach... Mm. can 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 uh, help you uh, to escape this game of keep choosing from the obvious options and yeah. show you something that you don't think is possible. We're yeah. blind to the possibility of our ears, yeah. eyes. We're just blind and we close our ears, close our eyes and say, ah, I am, uh, this is not possible. Yeah. Coach, by providing the alert, by providing the perturbance when done right, can show you a new possibility. Yeah. And in that way, give you a new interpretation of your existence, of your reality, that you can then commit to fulfilling. Coach then helps you make that commitment hmm. against your common sense even sometimes. The common sense is, hey, I have uh, these options. I should do this or do this. And there are pros and cons. Coach can maybe show you a new way that you didn't see possible. And once you see it, coach can help you make that commitment and mm -hmm. stay committed on it so you can imagine an alternative future yeah. and make this alternative future happen in your life. So mm -hmm. uh, in a wow. nutshell, there's a lot more to be said, but in a nutshell, that's what coaching process is. That was very good. I, we talk about this 24-7, right? That's our work. But in this conversation, even I saw something new. So what did you see? Mainly that it's about like, if you keep doing, if you keep making decisions, how you have always made it, then you will kind of keep repeating your past. Coaching is about mm. um, like showing that person a new possibility that they couldn't see before. Right. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, because sometimes we get so stuck with our stories and our past and how things have always been. that just, mm -hmm. it's not possible. Like we don't see it as a possibility so it never mm -hmm. like that possibility never shows up right so it takes someone else for to like kind of shake you and say no why why mm -hmm. <laughs> and ask you difficult questions and perturb you so that you can say okay yeah, that's a good point you know so something was, now how yeah. we do it that's a whole another conversation that yeah i suggest we don't take on today that how we do it we're not we're gonna uh limit ourselves from diving into that yeah. 
Um, but yeah. another day we can do a conversation of how exactly coach does it. It is not just mm-hmm. keep asking questions because this, this is super important, Victoria. A lot of people these days mm-hmm. are beginning to believe that coach's job is to keep asking questions. Mm-hmm. That's not exactly what coach's job is. Coach can make assessments. Coach can uh, make declarations. Um, uh, uh, if a coach says, "I," if you don't own your word, if you don't fulfill your commitment, I will not coach you. By doing that, a coach creates a new kind of a um, perturb, new kind of an alert, mm-hmm. uh, a trigger. So how we do it, uh, we'll, we'll talk about it another day. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh. While you were talking, something came up to me. It came up to me. An idea came up to me that, um, like demystifying coaching. I think coaching is becoming a lot more popular than it was before. Mm-hmm. Um. So I'm kind of thinking, like, what is this emergence of coaching of people interested in coaching and and open to the idea of taking up a coach? Like, why would you say, mm-hmm. um, this like new wave or emergence is showing up? I think that's an interesting question. We have to see that what's happening in the society, in our work environments, in people's careers, whether you are working at a corporate or you have your own business, small or large, across the board, there is kind of a dissatisfaction, mm-hmm. like a like a lack of joy or a um, lot of concern and not knowing how to move because a lot of the old formulas, they are not working. Mm-hmm. Now, we say that and we uh, these days it's going to become like a normal thing to say that, hey, a lot of the old formulas are not working. But what does it mean? What are those formulas that are not working? Mm-hmm. The last 200 years, we have promoted a certain ideology that every human being has a natural passion that human beings should discover at an early age. Then that human being should commit to cultivating that particular skill by going to college and spending four years doing something. In an ideal situation, you would know everything about that. But we see graduates coming out and they can't really do much because the old formulas, the memory retention game, uh, the knowledge game uh, to to go and learn the knowledge and then in the job your your activity was till the age of like you know mid twenties you're acquiring knowledge and then for rest of your life you're dispensing knowledge mm-hmm. that game is gone mm-hmm. all knowledge is like right here it's, yeah you know just Google or ChatGPT it has all the knowledge mm-hmm. the knowledge game is gone so that game is not working. And a lot of people don't know how to move powerfully in their careers, in their jobs, Mm -hmm. in the middle of messes. Mm -hmm. People, we have been working with machineries for so long, we have forgotten how to work with each other. So people Mm -hmm. don't know how to resolve conflict with each other, how to deal with breakdowns. So the messes Mm -hmm. are becoming larger and larger. A lot Mm -hmm. of people end up suffering psychologically or even physically um, at the hands of their work, at the hands of their colleagues. So, and on top of that, the psychological approach has been um, not as successful as we imagined it would be 
when we began to promote it like 150 years ago the last the last uh, century or so um it's not been as successful and i think that this this uh, breakdown that has gone unaddressed unresolved i believe it's um it's that's one of the factors that's contributing to the rise of coaching another <clears throat> aspect maybe so i'm thinking out loud together with you i don't have that as a as a clear answer so you're welcome to um to agree or disagree or say something that that's in your own okay. awareness but another thing i think that's going on that we have entered an era of um extreme personalization mm-hmm. everybody want things the way that they want it you can mm-hmm. almost imagine your two generations ago your grandma um those were different kind of human beings really yeah. they uh, they didn't wanted everything so specially and so specifically mm-hmm. maybe that's neither like a good thing or a bad thing the two generations ago one generation ago people lived in the idea that their satisfaction that they're going to get from their career has been predetermined all they have to do is to walk this path and they will receive that satisfaction whether that's in the form of retirement or a particular kind of lifestyle or whatever now what's going on first of all walking that clear path is not leading people to the satisfaction they anticipated number 1 number 2 that we want more we want to be more have more yeah. experience more experience it differently mm-hmm. uh, go beyond where uh, your parents might have yeah. gone go beyond where your you know we are trying to go to mars yeah. i would say that's going beyond yeah. our previous generation went to moon this generation says wants for? to go further <laughs> yeah wants to go further yeah. so i think a combination maybe of these two things and maybe there are some other factors i'd like to hear what do you see mm-hmm. um but i think that this um it's kind of a perfect storm that there yeah. is so much chaos number 1 number 2 there is no clear way at least from the hist- from the recent history um to resolve this chaos and number 3 um everyone wants not everyone we're saying everyone but many people more and more people they want to go beyond they are not satisfied with how things have been they are yeah. not satisfied be- being told that you need to stand in line and wait for yeah. your turn people yeah. are not willing to stand in line and wait for their turn Yeah. because they are watching uh, that many people that have been standing in line for yeah. 30 40 50 years are not getting the candy that they were promised yeah. at the end of the line yeah exactly so i think all of this um chaos and opportunity mm. both that are showing up another aspect which is connected to this extreme personalization that a lot of old opportunity is uh disappearing and a lot of new opportunities opening up mm. and our schools and colleges they didn't uh prepare us, prepare us yeah. to deal with this new opportunity yeah so what do you think what what do you what do you see in there and what insights you might have about the same i agree with you and i think you you said all you said all of it very well um but um yeah this world is changing so much we are changing so much as a, as a generation um so many new breakdowns that uh we are not like our systems have not prepared us to deal with 
Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think coaching is showing up as like a new, um, like a, well, like to be a coach, like as a new skill in a, like a new relationship kind of that is very helpful uh, to deal with these breakdowns that are going on personally in our like career, right? Um, so, mm-hmm. yeah. New skill. That's interesting. Right on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, you mentioned some of like the old ways that aren't really working anymore. And you mentioned the psychological approach. Um, so there's psychological coaching and then there's also ontological coaching. Mm. Um, should we talk about that a little bit? Sure. What, what's yeah. like, uh, what is, what is this psychological approach or the view mm-hmm. and what's the ontological view or approach in coaching? Mm, that's a maybe big let's question. just like def- maybe let's just like define it a little bit and then we can mm-hmm. ask more detailed questions about it okay all right so let's take a look i think that the psychological approach you know we have to go back and take a look and see when it was born mm-hmm. and what is the history of psychological approach psychological approach was born hand in hand with the with the modern era with the industrialized era when human beings began to look at our life, our environment, everything as a, as a resource, as an automatic machine that's working. So we looked at ourselves as human beings and we said, okay, we are also a machine of a kind. Mm-hmm. So if you're not behaving very well, if the machine, suppose you have a factory and the machine is making a, this weird noise, like, what would you do? You take your screwdriver and you go fix the machine. Yeah. So we said, okay, the same approach for human beings. If the human being is going like, you you know, you send it to the psychologist's office and it fix your brain, fix your head, you know, because mm-hmm. something is wrong with you. There's a standard of yeah. conduct and uh, this standard of conduct, uh, it leads to either my automatic thing, it raised my hand. Yeah. This uh, standard of conduct, I'm going to turn this thing off here. Okay. Uh, this standard of conduct we measure against and if something is wrong with you you're not behaving in a standard way like every machine should then we need to we need to fix you so psychology mm-hmm. uh, behavioral behavioral psychology or uh, many of the psychologists it seeks to it seeks to produce a a behavior shift in a human being by fixing a single human being's head and for certain things it could be quite effective Mm-hmm. If you are dealing with uh, um, something that is now a very well diagnosed mental illness or psychologists have been performing a lot of experiments, mm-hmm. the psychology is about the control of psyche, the mm-hmm. control of emotion. Mm-hmm. And uh, the control-oriented approach, it works. Notice that the same control approach also worked for running factories, for managing businesses the last 100 plus years, even longer than 100 years, maybe 200 years. Mm -hmm. The same approach of command control worked. Mm -hmm. But we're entering into an era where, first of all, we're realizing that human being is not like a solitary phenomena. We're not our own phenomena. We are our background. We are our context. And so... The ontological approach uh, looks at human being, not so much that what is wrong in your head that mm-hmm. has to be fixed with, mm-hmm. uh, with a screwdriver, but rather how are you 
existing within your environment. It deals, it, it looks at human being as a number one biological phenomena. First, we are bodies mm-hmm. and body has habits and these mm-hmm. habits are part of our nervous system. It copes. Mm-hmm. If there is a certain uh, behavior that we are doing, most likely the body has learned to cope yeah. with its background environment. So without some consideration of the context of the background uh, that uh, Flores called it uh, human human beings historicity, that mm-hmm. we have this, um, this quality, this dimension to ourselves, that we are the kind of beings that live in history. Mm-hmm. And we don't just live right in this moment. We are designed yeah. historically yeah. in narratives. So yeah. ontological coaching focuses a lot on the narratives, on the language, mm-hmm. and also on the moods that are more in the background, that are more hidden, that are also not our own, but have come to us from our backgrounds, from our environments. Mm-hmm. Ontological coaching aims to create behavior change, not by focusing on the behavior itself, but by producing a perturbance in the body, like we said earlier. Yeah. So there is an evolution happening on its own in the body. And it, okay. ontological coaching, I would say, um, maybe uh, three three dimensions to it. Maybe maybe that's enough for now. Let me see what's what's on your mind. And before we go any further, is that good opening, or should we say I a think, little? I think it is, and I think it is also worth it to say that because I've heard this so many times before that um, from Fernando or Chauncey, I forget which one, but the same that we are three things, historical, linguistic, and biological beings. And biology, you already talked about a little bit in history as well. But language is also a very important part of ontological coaching. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas I don't really think it shows up in other places. So um, do you want to say a little bit about that? Um, Sure. Human being, I think that uh, you're uh, talking about the... Now, all uh, continental philosophers, existential philosophers gave a great deal of importance to language, mm-hmm. but in the ontological approach that's becoming, uh, that's emerging right now and becoming uh, popular, at least in some uh, fringe communities, um, has to do with the, uh, the work of the, what is the name of the philosopher of language from Cambridge University, Oh, John L. Austin. Uh, John L. Austin. Thank you, Victoria. John mm-hmm. L. Austin was an interesting guy before he proposed the theory of uh, speech acts. Before he he didn't call them speech acts. I think it would be um, Terry Vinograd and Fernando Flores uh, that would call these things speech acts. I believe that he called them um, he called them generative verbs. John L. Austin was the first one to in the modern era to notice that language is not descriptive. We're not using the language to describe how reality is existing, but rather he noticed that that certain kind of language creates reality. Like you and I promised each other that we will do a podcast. We promised each other two days ago and Mm -hmm. uh, we put it on the calendar. And by doing that in Austin's, from Austin's perspective, that we created a new reality. And now we are generating new 
reality with our language. So ontological coaching focuses a lot on that. And if you uh, talk to someone who's having some struggle in their career, in their business, in their job, in their work, or uh, in their personal life for that matter, in their health for that matter, if you listen carefully, you will begin to see that people are living in a certain kind of language yeah. with yeah. which they are characterizing, yeah. explaining how their life is. So yeah. notice that the language they believe, people we believe, and I'm mm -hmm. saying they, we all fall to this kind of orientation. We believe that we are using the language to describe how reality is. But if you listen very carefully, you will notice that that, that entire description is like a jail cell. Yeah. That we punish ourselves in the in the mood of like, this has happened to me, therefore I did this. We explain like a cause and effect. Mm -hmm. This happened in my life, therefore I did this. Mm -hmm. My boss doesn't treat me nice, therefore I will not pay attention to work. And so the language goes to then trap, the language goes mm -hmm. to create like this, this shroud around you that we talk in our work. Yeah. that then traps you in that shroud mm -hmm. and you think you rely on your intelligence and you mm -hmm. try to explain that language more intelligently. And the more language that you use to explain your, your view that you think of it as reality, the more stuck you get in that reality. Mm -hmm. So ontological coaching focuses on helping you pay attention to what language you use and how do you use the language? Like, you know, it's not new. It's ontological coaching is not the first one to do this. Human beings from the beginning of time have known the power of word. Mm. I gave you promise and therefore I'll fulfill it. It used to be a big deal before yeah. we got all into these computers and uh, rescheduling meetings so easily and yeah, making a yeah. whole bunch of promises and not worrying about and doing whatever feels right and comfortable. I don't think human beings were always like that. Mm. I think this has been um, this has been the the gift, the bad gift of the modern era that we have forgotten how to honor our word. Mm. Actually, you reminded me of a beautiful quote. I believe it is by. I want to say either it's by Mark Twain or it's by one of the contemporary philosophers. Mm -hmm. um, who wrote What's, that book with Flores, uh, Spinoza, Charles Spinoza, I believe. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't recall exactly where this quote came from, mm -hmm. but it is. it goes something like, you know, it's interesting that we have become the kind of people who are not willing to die for our beliefs and promises. Mm. We're no longer willing to die for what we say. Mm. Uh, and maybe that is so. Maybe that is mm -hmm. so. And by doing that, we forgo a certain kind of a power that we could have with each other. Mm. So ontological coaching uh, focuses on this aspect of it, focuses on the aspect of embodied dancing. Mm? Embodied dancing, meaning that human being, our primary role isn't to become some standard version, like a mm. psychological uh, coaching yeah, would yeah. Uh, would would want us to do you know this this might surprise you this might shock the hell out of you mm -hmm. but uh, in psychology there is a book that all the psychologists refer to it's called um, dsm 
And currently we are on uh, DSM version five. DSM stands for, um, I think, Diagnostics and Statistical Manual of okay. uh, uh, Psychological Treatments or something like this. Okay. And uh, in number four version, DSM four, homosexuality was listed as a mental illness, as a disease, because at mm -hmm. that time, it was clear to all the psychologists that there is a standard behavior of human right. being yeah. and that right there is a deviant behavior. So therefore, yeah, yeah. now in DSM-5, the, the gay community and uh, they have, there's a strong, uh, some protest and maybe some power that this community has been gaining from DSM-5, they took it out. It's no longer mm. a problem. It's okay now. Mm. So I wonder what else is in there yeah. that is a big yeah. problem today. True. Yeah, mm. yeah, you're right. That that's a bit perturbing actually to think about. Mm. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, now I want to kind of bring it back to if someone is thinking about maybe taking on a coach, mm -hmm. um, and they're going through something. Um, when does someone know if they need a therapist or they need a coach? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's a it's a very good question. And, mm -hmm. you know, there there's uh, the, the standard answer that's provided by a lot of coaches is that, hey, if you want to work on your past, go get therapy. And if you want to work on the future, come oh. get coaching. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the smart little logical answer <laughs> Uh, it stops people, but the matter isn't so uh, straightforward. Mm. Human being is an animal that is always dealing with the past and is always dealing with the future. Mm. We are standing in the yeah. present, um, being our past, and we're standing in our present, inventing the future. Yeah. So I think your question has to be assessed at a practical level, not so much at a theoretical yeah, level. Probably, yeah. I think, first of all, um, find someone who actually gives a shit about you. I apologize for my mm -hmm. uh, colorful language here. Find someone who, who actually cares about you and get interested in really helping you. That is not just being a professional that is doing your hour thing and it's gone and whatever, right? Mm -hmm. You want to find someone um, who is available and accessible and has care and that you have good chemistry with if you're dealing mm -hmm. with serious challenge. Now, if you're dealing with challenge where you cannot sit in a conversation, if you're listening to this conversation and nothing has made sense and there's so much anxiety, there is so much uh, turbulence that you cannot hear a, a word of a conversation, you cannot be in a conversation mm -hmm. on being together, like a contigo, con nosotros, the Latin word, con together, verse means change, mm -hmm. and being a process. So the process of changing together, conversation, if you cannot engage in it, then probably you need a psychiatrist or psychologist or someone who can help you as they have done so much work, so many experiments, and there is so much value in some of the methods um, and it can produce some stability. Mm -hmm. If you're extreme unstable, I would either go do 10-day uh, retreat. That can also work very effectively. 
or I would go seek a therapist or a psychiatrist or something like this. Yeah. But if you really, if you are in this position where you can have a conversation, where you can ponder, you can think, you can make commitments, maybe you break your commitment, but you can be responsible for breaking your commitment and recommit. And if you're engaged, if you're willing to engage in a process like this and producing stability is not your only goal, but yeah. you want to go beyond where you are career-wise, work-wise, business-wise, just uh, joy-wise, that mm -hmm. the joy that you're getting from life, the mm -hmm. experience of fecundity mm -hmm. that you are having in life, if you want to expand that experience of abundance and fecundity, then I think coaching, uh, you, might, you might consider coaching uh, yeah. as an option. Yeah. And I, I might be wrong, so like, feel free to like disagree with me. You're wrong. I've... Okay, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make yourself wrong before you say something. So say okay. what you're gonna say. <laughs> I was gonna say that um, coaching. Um, I th I think it requires for someone to like look for a coach. It does it require them to like acknowledge that yeah, I want more than what I currently have in the moment. Like what I have right now, I have, but I'm not satisfied with it. Like, does it require someone to be able to acknowledge that? Yeah, I'm not satisfied with what I have right now and I want more. And so mm -hmm. that's a good place to be in. <laughs> so you can say, okay, I can take on a coach now. Or do I... they not have to be able to acknowledge it? Or they just, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. I think you reminded me of a of a joke I heard in my, I think, third or fourth grade. Mm -hmm. And it's stuck in my mind as a lifelong lesson. The joke goes something like this. Um, what is that uh, joke? The little, uh, little Joey or little um, uh, Timmy? There's a famous uh, character that we always tell the tell the joke in the American culture. I don't know. Chad okay, I forgot the name, but let's just make up something called little Timmy. Little yeah. Timmy is late to the class by two hours. Yeah. The teacher looks at little Timmy and said, Timmy, what's going on? Why are you so late to the class? The Timmy says, well, I was helping an old lady cross the road. Mm -hmm. the, the teacher says, okay, that's very good. But why two hours late? Yeah. Little Timmy says, well, the thing is that the old lady did not want to cross the road. Oh, so, <laughs> I mean, you 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 cannot uh, yeah. shove help onto yeah. someone who does not want to be helped. Of course, For yeah. those that are comfortable where they are, and actually they may not be comfortable, but maybe it is a fear that if I say, hey, I need a coach or I need a therapist in certain case, if you're extremely unstable, by mm -hmm. all means, please go get therapist or if you're stuck in your career and you're trying things and you got your MBA and you got your project management certification and you learned the next programming language, but none of that is making a difference in your career or you're an entrepreneur, you're trying to raise money and validate your business or you're trying to raise the next round and you're constantly bumping up against something that feels like an invisible ceiling, mm -hmm. then some initial humility humility is uh, is required to say you know i think i need help and i think that what stops a lot of people is the fear of looking bad yeah like, i was oh. going to ask you that you know why some people are so like against 
coaching or like are so hesitant to even consider taking on a coach and talking to a coach? Right, right. And uh, I think it's it's exactly this that, you know, mm. we don't want to look bad. Like what kind of what kind of an idiot I would be yeah. talking to a coach or talking to a therapist. I'm I'm not a weak person because yeah. the previous era, it forced a certain design of mm. what it is to be a powerful human being mm-hmm. onto us in mm-hmm. conversations, in traditions, in education. This has been sort of like um, uh, this formula has been drilled into our heads that or a real man or a real woman is someone who takes it, who toughs it up and who takes it. And I think that, that, that ideology stops you from seeking uh, assistance when Mm. you need it. Yeah. Even the word help gets to be like, well, I'm not the kind of person who takes help. So I invite you to think of more like an assistance Mm. that lets somebody assist you Mm. who can see where you might be stuck and and where you might go but if someone is uh unwilling to uh to acknowledge their pain unwilling to uh to see that they can have a new kind of a life you can make the invitation you mm-hmm. can say hey i invite you to consider but uh, but i think it is a precondition at least you know you don't have to totally be transformed but at least yeah. be willing yeah, yeah, to yeah. put your beliefs on shelf for an hour, one hour, put your beliefs for one hour, come try this thing and see what happens. Um, So, you know, my recommendation would be is to to try it. But if you know someone who is suffering and stuck, try try it, try to offer them coaching. Hmm? Mm -hmm. Stand for them. You may not know how to coach or what to do, but just standing for someone's care, standing for someone's future and listening and be willing to call out what might be the most uncomfortable thing to be called out. Mm. That is the the heart of coaching. Now, I'm Mm. not going to go any further and I promise you we'll do another episode about how to do coaching, but maybe that is is good for today. Yeah, Um, but I have a a couple more questions of, Mm. I think lots of people get... um, like uh, coaching and consulting and advising confused. Mm-hmm. They just assume it to be all the same thing. Um, mm-hmm. And in the beginning, you talked about how you had advisors, but you didn't have a coach to really help you. Mm-hmm. Um, so what would you say is the difference between these these three top, these three? Um, Which three? Uh, consulting, advising, and coaching. Consulting, advising, and coaching. Victoria, that sounds like beginning of a joke or something. A consultant <laughs> and a co- and an advisor and a coach walk into a bar. Yeah. I mean, but I haven't figured out the rest of the joke. Maybe the advisor starts to go to Advise. the bartender and start advising. Hey, that light is in the wrong place. Hey, uh, move that chair over there. Hey, um, your lighting is not good. And says, do well, you need my advice about anything else? Mm-hmm. You know, advisor is more like... Um, uh, like a salt sprinkler. I'm going to mm-hmm. sprinkle my salt on salad and take it or leave it. It's up to you. So advisor mm-hmm. in is could be a very important role, but advisor is somewhat uh, detached uh, yeah. from mm-hmm. what happens. Advisors, advisor is a style that worked in the old era. Today, chat GPT might be the best advisor. True. It knows it has all the knowledge. It can yeah, really true. figure out 
mm-hmm. what you what you need to do. And mm-hmm. the consultant might say to the bartender, hey, listen, you know, I uh, hire me and then you tell me what do you need done and I will tell you what you need to do and I can make mm-hmm. you a recipe mm-hmm. and uh, you can follow my steps and follow my recipe and get it done or something like this. Mm-hmm. A coach might go to the bartender and say, so where you might be stuck and how are you being Mm. Let's work on your way of being mm. that allowed this consultant and advisor to walk through the front door or something like this. Yeah, yeah. So I think, you know, um, consultant is someone, consultant and advisor is someone who is, uh, now these, these terms are not, they don't have standard definitions. Some people listening to this might start to fight with us. It's like, no, I'm not this kind of a consultant. And to be honest with you, sometimes I refer to myself as a consultant, sometime an advisor. Mm-hmm. But um, what you need is someone who is willing to look beyond what you're asking them to do. To a consultant mm-hmm. and an advisor, you go mm-hmm. and ask a clear question and you get a yeah. clear answer. Yeah. Coach is someone who sees beyond what you're asking and where you might be stuck and what you might be hiding and helps you identify that and overcome it. Hmm. Got it. So they see what you're saying, but also what you are not saying. That's a that's what a coach when a coach is well trained yeah. and coach does uh, their job well. That's that's hmm. what that's what should happen. Got it. Okay, that's helpful. Hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, and now, kind of last questions. Sagiv, do you have a coach? And, and if so, what, like, how is, how has having a coach helped you? I have had many coaches throughout the years. Um, Anytime I need to learn something new, I take a coach. Uh, Any new domain, I take a coach. I also, you know, I work in this uh, tradition of uh, this group of people that have been around Uh, Stanford and Berkeley and other people in this group, renowned philosophers. I have been extremely lucky to meet Fernando Flores and Chauncey Bell and uh, many other people. Mm -hmm. So I would say that, uh, yes, uh, uh, if I were to say, I don't have a formal coach right at this moment. Mm -hmm. I am thinking about taking one, um, but uh, many times... Uh, Chauncey has worked with me for many years before Chauncey, uh, Dr. James McManus worked with me for many years um, uh, yeah. before Dr. James McManus, maybe uh, other people um, in at Microsoft, uh, Garrett Jacobs and Steve Papitone have been important mentors and coaches of mine mm-hmm. that in Pakistan, uh, Rana Zahid, uh, is the name that comes to mind as my earliest mentors mm. and uh, and so and so many so many others mm-hmm. uh, right at this moment oh actually I do have a coach I have a marketing coach I took uh, Sam Owens as a as a marketing coach because honestly I don't know how to really build funnels and or now I have learned a little bit but before I didn't so I took mm-hmm. a coach this last mm-hmm. December and uh, took a course and have learned a lot and I'm still learning uh, in that domain Mm. okay 
Got it. So in a way, it's a it's I'm kind of also asking, like, do people really need a coach? I know you said that it's it's definitely more of like a practical question than it is a theoretical one. Mm. Um, but like I think lots of people see coaching as like a side, mm-hmm. like a very like a very expensive, uh, luxurious thing that they could get mm-hmm. eventually. Um, but is is it that do people really need a coach? I don't know if people really need a coach. <laughs> need is a, is a strange yeah. word. I mean, um, but if someone has an interest in producing more satisfaction in their career, in their work, in their business, then I think that you owe it to yourself to give it a test. Try coaching. Come to me, come to us. We offer the first hour at no cost, our treat. Mm-hmm. Amazing things could happen. And maybe where you're stuck, all you need is a one coaching session. Sometimes single coaching session done right can totally change the game. Mm-hmm. So come do like a free hour of coaching with me and maybe that's all that you need. Mm-hmm. And if something important and remarkable happen in that hour, then of course, go for it. Why shouldn't you, if the yeah. investment you put into coaching, uh, if it's done right with the right person, it can return tenfold, hundredfold. Yeah. So you don't really need it. Like you really yeah. need to um, uh, to eat or take a shower or, you know. Yeah, I was, I was, <clears throat> I was also going to say that. And I'll share my experience as well, because yeah, I, please I've me. done both. I've had both therapy when I was younger mm-hmm. and coaching. Um, and my first response to this question was, we don't really need anything. <laughs> like, you don't really need any, mm-hmm. not much to survive, really, right? But the question is more of, um, if you, um, I, th- I tried therapy when I was younger for um, certain, certain things I was dealing with at the, at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it helped in certain ways. But in other ways, it left a lot of things open. It didn't really... Um, complete in the way that I wanted it to and I've done coaching with you and Mm -hmm. also with Chauncey um, and uh, we've been working together for a long time Um, and I I would say the main thing for me is that in in coaching I have learned skills and sensibilities that I can like I can help myself now you know whereas Mm -hmm. in with the therapy sessions in the beginning um it was, it felt nice. It felt good to be able to talk to someone privately about some, about certain issues that, you know, I didn't feel comfortable talking to other people about. And in the moment, the therapy sessions were nice, but after a while, like they just ended and I, I didn't feel like I had the, the, the toolbox to kind of Mm. help myself when stuff started to come up again. And uh, with the, with, uh, with coaching, I feel like I have learned. I feel like now if I fall a little bit, I can pick myself up. Like I know, even though I sometimes I get stuck in certain moods, mm-hmm. I can like, I have skills now where I can ask myself like, okay, for example, if I'm in a bad mood, what assessment am I making about the future that's making me, that's putting me in this bad mood right now? I can ask myself such questions and I can help myself. Um, and that is a very, I think, powerful, like a, a superpower kind of to have. Um, mm-hmm. and, um, and, you know, sometimes when we have clients, it's just, it helps them so much because some, 
people really don't have anywhere else to go and and talk about their career and their work problems and you know negotiating with their boss and dealing with all this stuff because a therapist is not really for that mm-hmm. um so yeah i'm i mean yeah it's many it's of our you. yeah it has helped say- me and many of our clients as well so mm-hmm. and what would you say victoria thank you for sharing by the way yeah um what would you say is the is the top skill or sensibility you mentioned that you've learned skills and sensibilities what is what is the top skill or a sensibility that you've learned um mm-hmm. during coaching with me or with uh, with others it's a good question i've i think i've learned so much um about you know uh, navigating my own moods and other people's moods mm-hmm. um but i think the main thing oh there's really a lot actually but i think the main thing is the skill of having emotional fortitude which mm-hmm. i think i guess you could call like a specific mood mm-hmm. um but like the skill of having like a certain sense of confidence and faith in yourself and in the world which growing mm-hmm. up i never had um mm-hmm. like re- seriously growing up i always thought like it's just I always thought bad like everything was against me no one is helping me at all I'm all alone mm-hmm. in this you know really bad just bad ways of thinking that just put you that always make you the victim and mm-hmm. you have like nowhere to go from there mm-hmm. um so kind of learning about and developing this mood of emotional fortitude is just mm-hmm. I feel like I can take anything on because I have a certain confidence in myself in my community I know that I'm not alone um, and I have certain faith that, you know, whatever comes up, I will be able to deal with. It's okay. Every, mm. It will work out eventually. <laughs> so mm. this certain skill has been super helpful. And there's so many more though. Mm. And this uh, emotional fortitude, I think it's a very important uh, skill. It's more than a skill. It's like a virtue. For this that, era? For Absolutely. the time that's coming, yeah. uh, things are changing. Yeah, you yeah, may yeah. lose your job. You may... Yeah. um the climate change is the the migrants just yeah. so much we're not going to get into that right now yeah. but a very dynamic and perturbing time and at the same time where a lot of the opportunity seems lost new opportunity is right there but if you don't have this emotional fortitude and you start to freak out every yeah. time something goes wrong uh, so congratulations to you for having cultivated or in the beginning <laughs> beginning to cultivate this virtue I'm, I'm delighted you. to hear that in many ways my life has not gone at all what a normal teenager or 23 year old's life should be going like mm-hmm. um, uh, so there were many moments in which I could have definitely freaked out um, but mm-hmm. yeah I've been able to see the possibility in the breakdown and and take it on and I'm I'm very happy with where I am right now. Wow, that's a great testimonial <laughs> uh, to for the for the coaching profession, huh? For the coaching yeah. profession, what a great testimonial, Victoria. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, but I think that's it. Or do you have anything else you'd like to say? No, I think this is good. I think yeah. that uh, we've been at it for almost an hour now. So let's yeah. uh, let's, so let's close. Let's complete. So mm-hmm. um, with this, we conclude episode four of the Our Podcast. Do I really need a coach? The mystifying coaching and its value. Um, thank you, Sake, for sharing your expertise and your insights. Um, and if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to join our Our community and our upcoming um, private live event next Friday. 
on April 21st. Uh, we'll put the link in the comment section. And uh, don't forget to tune in next time uh, in the same place as we explore further um, more interesting questions. I am Victoria Villas, and this has been the All Work Podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Victoria.